Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Andy Staples on 3. It has been a very busy weekend. It's been a while since we went a weekend without any shows. We had our, our post-game shows and... Last year, last week we were doing college football playoff reveal show. We were doing transfer portal opening show. So it felt like we were just on top of everything. Taking a couple days off, man, a lot happens. A lot happens. So let us let us go down a few of the things that have happened before we get to some of the big ones. But let's talk about all that we're going to talk about today because this is a this is a big one. We got. Pete Nakos, with all the transfer portal intel that you're going to want, you know, what's happening with Walter Nolan, our number one player in the transfer portal? What's happening with Kyle McCord, the former Ohio State quarterback? Where is he looking? I think big, go big red. Very interested in what Kyle McCord's doing right now. We're talking to Jeff Goodman of Field of 68 about Bronny James' debut. That's right, a little basketball. We know you love your schools. We're going to talk about a little bit of hoops going forward. It, this will still be very much a primarily football show, but I love college hoops too. So we're going to be talking about that. We'll also be talking about some of the other college sports because, again, we know you love your schools. So we're going to keep talking about them while they're playing sports that everybody's interested in. We've also got Justin Hopkins from Scooped Out talking Dylan Gabriel to Oregon potentially the most impactful transfer in this cycle. We'll see. There, there's a few more who who want to vie for that, that title. But that will be a very interesting situation because, again, you think about what you saw from Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma and at UCF, and you extrapolate that to what you saw Bo Nix doing in Oregon's offense, and it's very, very exciting. Oh, Buff Boulder City in the in the chat knows what I want to talk about, though. We definitely are going to talk about Coach Prime because Coach Prime hit the transfer portal hard for some O-linemen and had a nice weekend on the high school recruiting front. So we've got Buff Boulder say, say, we coming, baby. That, of course, Coach Prime, always say that. So we're grabbing Boo Carter and Walter Nolan. Woo, very interesting indeed. Boo Carter is a, uh, is a Tennessee commit that the Buffs are trying to flip. But let, let us talk about what Coach Prime has done over the weekend. It started Thursday with a commitment from Jordan Seaton, who is the number one offensive tackle recruit out of high school. He is a big one, not just physically huge, but big for a lot of reasons, because this is the type of player you need to build around, and they just don't grow on trees. You don't typically find an athlete like this in the transfer portal Basically a plug-and-play type left tackle. Now, plug-and-play is a little, little hard to say when it's a, a younger player going into college and they've got to start right away. But he probably will have to start right away at Colorado, or at least will have a chance to start right away at Colorado. But the question is, who's he going to start alongside? And that's something that Deion Sanders has been very busy with 
this weekend. Four commitments from transfer portal offensive linemen. He's got two from the power five, two from the group of five. Now, we don't know exactly what this is going to be. One of these is, is pretty highly rated. Uh, Justin Mayers from UTEP. He played left guard for the minors. He's one of those that he was initially ranked a three-star recruit coming out of high school, but our guy Charles Power has him as a four-star in the transfer portal. So he's one of those group of five guys that played well, looking to move up. He's committed to Colorado. Tyler Houston, he started at guard for Houston. He's a more traditional transfer portal story. He originally played for Texas, left there looking for more playing time, found it at Houston. He was a starting guard at Houston this year. He will be at Colorado next year. Khalil Benson was the starting right tackle at Indiana. He's from Mississippi originally. Uh, Tom Allen always had that, that connection. He used to work at Ole Miss. Uh, but he is on the on the move. He's going to Colorado. So a big guy there. And then Yakiri Walker, who was UConn's starting center this year, is headed to Colorado. And that, remember, Dion said, if the offensive line I have can't block, I will get new offensive line. And we said, I don't know if you can do that out of the portal. Well, he is going to try. He is taking as many of these guys out of the portal as he can. And again, like Jordan Seaton, I think, is probably one of your five opening day starters unless he's been completely misevaluated, and I don't think he has been. You know, you saw Caden Proctor start every game at left tackle for Alabama this year. They're in the playoff. Caden Proctor had a rough start. It wasn't easy at first for Caden Proctor, but he got better and better. And by the time they played the SEC championship game against Jordan uh, against Georgia, he looked very good. So Georgia's, Jordan Seaton, similar level to him. And you heard Charles Power on Friday talking about maybe a more polished pass blocker coming out of high school. So that's a big new big get for the Buffaloes. And then you add, I we we don't know. Are they adding bodies? Are they adding guys that will contribute? The truth of the matter is we're not sure yet. We need to see them play together. Offensive linemen tend to, you know, when they play together, chemistry matters. How does this, how do they work together? So we'll have to see. Phil Lodeholt, the new offensive line coach at Colorado, remember, played at Oklahoma, played in the NFL. He's been an analyst at Oklahoma working under Bill Biedenboe, one of the most respected offensive line coaches in the country. Perhaps Lodeholt can get these guys going, get them together. It is going to be a fascinating scenario to watch at Colorado because that was the problem this year. You saw the hot start. Then you saw them kind of fall apart as the season went on. A lot of it was they could not block for Shadur Sanders. And if they could block for Shadur Sanders, they would have won some more games. Now, they went from 1-11 to 4-8. and eight. And that's a good move. That's, a, that's an improvement in a very deep Pac-12. They now move into the Big 12 which I think is going to be a pretty good league. Will it be as good as the Pac-12 was this year? I, I don't know if it quite will be. But this is going to be really interesting to watch because you know some of those offensive linemen that they got last year may also grow into the role. But that group has to get better. Offensive line, defensive line, they got to get better. If they can... And Shador Sanders has time to throw. You're talking about a team that can be good in the Big 12. Can they win the Big 12? I don't know. 
Utah's going to be really good. They're bringing Cam Rising back. Arizona's going to be really good. You expect possibly a, a bounce back year from TCU. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But this is where it has to get better. This is where the evaluations have to work. And once these guys start to play together, they've got to be effective. They don't have to be great, but they have to be effective because you got to give Shador Sanders a little bit of time to throw. Now, I want to throw one more thing out here because we mentioned at the beginning Jordan Seaton, who not a portal guy. He's a high school recruit. Big, big get. So after Jordan Seaton committed to Colorado, Jamie New, uh, we, Josh Newberg, our guy, on three recruits. If you don't subscribe to On Three Recruits already, you need to. It's the YouTube page where Josh and our crew who cover recruiting talk about the high school recruits as they decide where they're going to go. So right after Jordan Seaton committed, Josh Newberg made a video, and it was five things that Colorado needs to do. Now, the first one was actually sign Jordan Seaton, because obviously somebody that sought after, people are still going to be coming after him until signing day. But I'm, I, you know, he did commit. On Undisputed, he seemed pretty all in on Colorado. But let's look at what number three was from Josh Newberg, what, what Coach Prime needed to do next. All right, also, add Draylon Miller, the talented wide receiver, number 66 ranked player overall out of the state of Texas. He decommitted from Texas A&M about a month ago, maybe, maybe six weeks ago now. He's a dynamic pass catcher with elite speed, need more guys like that on offense, and he's been to campus twice already this season. A lot of people thought when he decommitted it was going to be a quick switch to LSU, but that hasn't happened. And he's been to Colorado a couple times, and the Buffs look like they could be a very viable landing spot. Got to close on him, but there is a strong relationship. Spoiler alert: They closed on him. Draylon Miller from Silsby, Texas, six foot, one hundred ninety pound receiver, top one hundred guy. He is going to Colorado. All of a sudden, the Buffaloes are shooting up our team recruiting rankings. Now, I see you guys in the chat. Walter Nolan to join Coach Prime, Lomark says. Buff Boulder, Andy, he got some big media line guys that are elite. Listen, I don't know if you watched a lot of Indiana football this year. Let's slow down on the elite talk. He got Jordan Seaton, who is an elite recruit. We'll see with the transfers. I watched Indiana play. I don't think you did. So we're going to see about that. UTEP wasn't great either. Also fired its coach. So let's, let's not go too crazy yet, guys. But it is a good reason to get excited. It is a very good reason to get excited because that was the part you kind of wondered about. I, I said it a couple of times. When Deion Sanders had his, we're not an ATM speech, that worried me. That told me, uh-oh, is your collective not in a position that you can get the kind of O-lineman, the kind of D-lineman you need to succeed. Well, if you can get Jordan Seaton, you're doing just fine. Offensive line, tough to build out of the portal. But Justin Mayers is a guy that a lot of teams wanted coming out of UTEP. He played very well. His PFF grade was very good. So they are doing well. They're, com they're competitive in this space. The problem is the teams that are really, really good get guys like Jordan Seaton, not, not, maybe not ranked that high, but that kind of guy over and over again over a period of years, he's only been there two years. He's only been one year, really. So it is not that easy to do that. But this is a start, and getting Draylon Miller 
again, another big one. So can they flip some more trenches talent? Josh Newberg thinks they can. So there's more offensive linemen out there, more defensive linemen out there that could potentially land in Boulder. So keep your eyes peeled on the flip watch as we get toward National Signing Day on December 20th. Keep your eyes peeled on the portal because it looks like Dion is, is going very hard right now. O-line, it seems like they've they've worked quick. And you had to work quick because if you look at you look at the top ranked offensive linemen, interior and offensive tackles in the portal, a lot of them have already committed. They don't last long. It's not like some of these quarterbacks that go take a bunch of visits and they're out there for two weeks. When, when a lineman goes in the portal, you got to go. So, so they're moving fast so far in Boulder. We're going to find out what Deion Sanders can do with this group. But this is all very positive news for the Buffaloes as they try to rebuild that offensive line, which is the most important position group for them this offseason. All right, let us hit some other news before we talk to Pete Nakos and dive deep into the transfer portal and figure out where former Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord might be going. Bronco Mendenhall back in college football. He was hired at New Mexico, places Danny Gonzalez. Remember, Mendenhall's been out a couple years. Now, Mendenhall's been talking about he's he's ready for NIL, knows what he needs to do, knows how to handle it. It's an interesting question because missing the last two years means you've missed an awful lot on this front. The world's almost completely different than when he left Virginia. But Bronco Mendenhall's always been a very effective coach. He made BYU better. He made Virginia better. I suspect he's going to make New Mexico better. Very excited to see what he can do there. Another really interesting piece of coaching news. North Dakota State head coach Matt Entz headed to USC as the linebackers coach. Now, he is going to finish out the run with the Bison in the playoffs in the FCS, but he's leaving one of the best FCS jobs in America to go be a position coach, not a coordinator. Because remember, Danton Lynn is, is the coordinator at USC. So the last two North Dakota State head coaches, Craig Bowl went from North Dakota State to Wyoming. Chris Kleiman went from North Dakota State to Kansas State. Entz going to USC, but as the linebackers coach. But I do wonder, does this make him a faster riser if he wants to be a head coach in the FBS, I'd say he probably does. I'd say this is the the way to go. You know, he's at a Big Ten school now. We got to we got to wrap our heads around that. USC's Big Ten school, but this is this is the thing. You've had these coaches where the the path was you know work your way up to a head coach at some level, and then you can become a head coach. You like you jump another level. Like you go from North Dakota State to like a Mac school, and then maybe go to a Big Ten school from there. But that's just not how it seems to work anymore. You need to be the hot coordinator at a Big Ten or an SEC school if you want one of these big jobs, or at least you want to be considered for it. So perhaps that's the that's the move he makes. Now, also, you saw David Braun, and he just saw this, go from being hired away from North Dakota State to be the defensive coordinator at Northwestern Pat Fitzgerald gets fired. Braun does a great job as the interim, and he's now the head coach at Northwestern. 
Like he's a head coach at a Big Ten school. So if you're mad at this, you're looking at that, and you know the the path seems pretty clear. But good luck to him and the Bison as he finishes out his time with them and then heads on to USC. Meanwhile, TCU looking for a new defensive coordinator. Stephen Johnson of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram reports that Joe Gillespie is out. It sounds like they're going to hire from outside. And this is a this is one of those in college football life comes at you fast kind of moments because Joe Gillespie was the toast of college football less than a year ago. Less than a year ago, they, they were preparing to play Michigan. They upset Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. They go to the national title game, and it looks like it's going to be all sunshine and lollipops for Joe Gillespie at TCU. And then this year, while well, we talked about Coach Prime earlier, it started with that loss to Colorado, and then it kind of got worse. So he'll be looking for a new job, and TCU looking for a new defensive coordinator. Other transfer portal news. This one came between when we talked to Pete and when we went on the air. Bo Collins from Clemson. He has committed to Notre Dame. So Bo Collins, who fairly productive receiver at Clemson, but the problem with Clemson is they have not been able to recapture the glory days of T. Higgins, Mike Williams, Hunter Renfro, Sammy Watkins, the, the list goes DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, the list goes on. They had some incredibly productive receivers at Clemson over the past 10 years or so. And then it felt like the well kind of dried up. Meanwhile, Notre Dame really did not get much out of their receiving core this year. They would like to get more out of it. Perhaps Bo Collins becomes one of those productive receivers at Notre Dame. Now, the question is, who will be throwing him the football? We don't know quite yet. I don't think it's going to be Kyle McCord, but I think we have a pretty good idea about where Kyle McCord is narrowing it down. Let us talk to on threes Pete Nakos. He is deeper in the transfer portal than anybody in the country about Kyle McCord, Walter Nolan, Juice Wells, and all those guys that everybody wants in the portal. Here's Pete. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are joined now by Pete Nakos of On3. Pete is the transfer portal guru here at On3, and it has been a very busy weekend for the portal and for Pete. How are we doing? It's It's been fun. It's been good. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Andy? Doing good. Doing good. So you woke us all up Monday morning, the day the portal opened for most of the, the population, with the news that Kyle McCord was entering the transfer portal. You wrote over the weekend that he was making a visit, and it is to another Big Ten school. Yeah. Yep. He is going to be at Nebraska this week. And one of his favorite targets, Julian Fleming, is going to join him. Wow. Very interesting. So now, are they a package deal? Do we know that? Or is that just they they are buds and they, they might take some trips together? I have heard nothing yet that makes it suggest they're a package deal. 
Um, but I think the thought rate right, of, of um, Kyle being able to link up with one of those top targets at Ohio State, uh, I would imagine that only sweetens the, the pot uh, for both of them. Um, and, I mean, not a sh- shot at the Nebraska uh, wide receiver room, but Julian Fleming, right? Five-star recruit, former number one wide receiver in the 2020 class. I mean, when you have Marvin Harrison and Emeka Ibuka in that room, uh, Julian could have been lost in, in moments sometimes, but I'm, I'm sure if he landed at Nebraska, I think um, he could really be a breakout star that we could see in the Big Ten. Well, Jamison Williams will tell you that if you leave a crowded Ohio State receiver room, good things can still happen for you. So that is Very much. But I, I was going to take a shot at the Nebraska receiver room, and and thankfully you kind of did it for me. Uh, but it, I wasn't really going to take a shot. They had so many injuries last year. The way they ended the season, they just didn't have a lot of downfield options. So I would say as many people as they can get who can catch the ball down the field, who can make plays, would be a big deal for them. But let's let's talk about McCord a little bit. Uh, who has he been looking at, and, and when did Nebraska enter the picture? You know, um, the offense coordinator in Nebraska, Marcus Satterfield, flew to Columbus last week um, for a quick meeting. And it's worth throwing out there that Nebraska has by far been the most aggressive school when it comes to trying to find a quarterback on this market. I think they've talked to five now. Um, but that meeting went really well. And then in terms of where else McCord's looked, I've heard some rumblings about Mississippi State. Uh, there was a thought that Syracuse could get in the mix. But, I mean, the last, like, 48, 72 hours, it's been all Nebraska. Let's let's hear from Matt Rule from a few weeks ago. Do you have to? Do you feel like you have to address the quarterback situation in the portal by you going into the portal? Um, I think that I think that the, the portal for me is uh, I either want to if we go to the portal, I either want to get someone with multi, at any position, someone with multiple years. I think is on caliber with the guys that we have, or someone who's uh, instant impact upgrade. You know, like. Someone who can make a difference. Um, make no mistake that a, a good quarterback in the portal costs you know a million to a million five to two million dollars right now. So just 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 on the same page, right? So um, <laughs> let's make sure we all understand what's happening. So Matt Rule had been doing his homework before he said that is what you're saying. Spot on, spot on. Can I say one thing too? That's like the funniest thing about that clip is like he probably thought like. I don't know, Blake Shapin or someone like that is going to be his best target, but all of a sudden he's going to host Kyle McCord, who started against Michigan, what, like three weeks ago? Like, I, Kyle McCord was not on Matt Rule's radar when he said that. Uh, well, could he even think, like, because, I, I, you know, the, the Cam Ward smoke signals were out there, and right. I, I would think that's where that market-setting number was coming from because we didn't we didn't know. Well, Gil, Gabriel, the, the word was kind of out at yeah. that point, too, that last week of the season, but – yeah, it, it is very interesting how that works. So is is Kyle McCord that type, top of the market type quarterback? I can just tell you from my conversations I've had that Nebraska is going to be able to deliver the the type of financial package that Kyle McCord believes he's worth um, and probably is worth. Um, and the 1898 uh, initiative, the, the main collective at Nebraska, I mean, yeah, the, I, w- I don't want to say a story history, but it's been well track that yeah i mean nebraska is probably in the upper echelon of the, of the power five when it comes to nil collectors yeah your history can't be that storied when the, the thing you do only has existed for two it and a half be. years but it can't be. but i will say i've always thought nebraska is the kind of nebraska and tennessee are the two places where if somebody were to come as a transfer 
and absolutely blow up. They become an instant superstar and the NIL stuff, not just the the preset, here's the deal we're going to make with you, but all the actual NIL stuff comes flooding in where you you get endorsements and, and that sort of thing. So I, yeah. I do think that's one of those places where if you can if you can be the one who lifts them out, right. you're going to be uh, very well rewarded for it. And then if you heard like Matt Rule's comment again, right? He said instant impact. Kyle McCord will be an instant impact at Nebraska. And an instant impact, according to Matt Rule, is somewhere, it sounds like, between 1 to 1.5 million. Uh, that's how I uh, interpreted it. Right. Well, congratulations to Kyle McCord because that sounds pretty good uh, considering that there was not going to be a guarantee. And, and it's interesting because Matt was also talking about uh, a guy who has multiple years. Uh, Kyle McCord doesn't. He, he's a junior this past year, uh, no COVID year for him. So he is, uh, he, he's done after this year, assuming he plays, which we assume he will. So very fascinating just road because he could wind up again in the Big Ten and playing against a lot of teams that he's familiar with. And you know who knows? Maybe Julian Fleming tags along as well. But Pete, let's let's yeah. move on to another position. Uh, a guy we talked about a lot last week, and that's Walter Nolan. He's the number one player in our on three transfer portal rankings because there just aren't this type of defensive lineman available in the portal yeah. very often. He's probably going to be the only one of those this year. What's the latest on him? Well, he was at Oregon this weekend, um, and, and just some early conversations, from my understanding, it, it went well. Um, I think the one thing that's really interesting about Walter Nolan, right, is like he'd be such a strong fit with Tosh Lupoy and, and and Dan Lanning out in, in Eugene. And um, by no means do I have any intel that says like a commitment uh, is, is going to happen at any moment. But I just think the the Oregon and Walter Nolan situation just makes sense in so many different ways. Yeah, that is uh, – we're going to talk to Justin Hopkins later in the show about Dylan Gabriel and, and all the other stuff at Oregon, but Walter Nolan, I imagine, is going to come up as well. And you do think about their interior defensive line where they're losing some very old and good players. That would be yeah. a nice step up, and Jordan Birch still there. That would be that would be quite a uh, quite an athletic front if, if he, they were able to add him. But, of course – a lot of other people who'd be very interested in, in him as well. It's it, it feels like it hasn't really slowed down much. There's still a lot of good players out there. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I want to ask you about is Juice Wells, uh, former South Carolina. Well, I'll, I'll go back. Juice, like you go to Juice Wells' Twitter feed. The first pen post is his James Madison Twitter announcement, and I, that he was transferring from James Madison. And I remember when he. Said he was transferring from South Carolina. It was weird looking at the the I'm leaving James Madison and now I'm leaving South Carolina. But he's on the market. Uh went uh, visited Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin sent some funny tweets out. Yep. What who else is in the mix there? So Texas is in the mix. Oregon is also in the mix. Speaking of Oregon, um, Tennessee was in the mix for a minute. Doesn't doesn't seem like that. Uh, the balls are really in it at this point anymore. Um Talking to the OM spirit, uh, Zach Barry on Sunday, like Juice Wells was still in Oxford at like noon Eastern time, which is completely unheard of on official portal visits, right? A lot of those are like, I'm going to fly in. I'm going to have dinner with the head coach. I might handshake and say, have a great weekend or something. I mean, the portal visits are, are very different than high school recruiting visits. So to hear that Juice Wells was in town for so long is really eye-opening. Um, 
Last thing is obviously reported Friday that he was going to Texas. I confirmed that with a source at Texas. Um, then things kind of just, I don't know if they broke off necessarily, uh, nothing about the relationship with Texas, but he wasn't in Austin this past weekend. Um, so I reported that Friday and I still kind of see Texas really being in the cards there. Yeah. It seems like Texas has, has been pretty aggressive in the portal period these past few years, but last year they, they developed kind of a, Here's what we want, and we know what we like more as, as, as a kind of figure. And Juice Wells does seem like he would fit what they're looking for in the portal. Like it, like A.D. Mitchell was, was a guy they took out of the portal last year. Juice Wells seems very similar. Yeah. I mean, there's Deion Burks in the works, too, at Texas. Like, there's other wide receiver names who have popped up. But um, Juice Wells has that track record in the SEC that it seems like a lot of teams want to kind of grab and, and, and run with in 2024. Yeah, if he's healthy, he's he's really, really good. Um, another guy who it seems like everybody wants, uh, Cam Ward. And, and we've talked about him, his journey, incarnate word in the FCS. He blows up there. He goes to Washington State following his coach from incarnate word, Eric, well, uh, Eric Morris. And now where does he go from Pullman now that Washington State not really, you know, power five anymore? So... I put out an Intel piece on Thursday saying that I had been hearing that, that there was a chance that Cam Ward was going to go to Miami this weekend. From my understanding, that did not happen. Okay. Um, I think the really interesting thing, though, that you have to like keep an eye on and remember when you're talking about Cam Ward is the NFL is like still very much. like That was not just thrown out there mm -hmm. to be like, hey, I'm not only going to the – like, no, like he is very much waiting for that draft grade. He could go to the NFL draft. The other who, thing that go oh, ahead. go ahead. Oh, the other thing I was going to mention about Cam that yet, like, I don't think they want to rush this process. Just like they're waiting on this draft grade, I don't think they want to make a decision and then find out the draft grade. So, by no means am I anticipating something right away. And you keep hearing Ohio State plays like he needs to take a couple of visits, in my opinion, yeah. first, and I think that's how it's going to play out. Well, and Miami's an interesting one too because uh, when JD Piquel and I were talking about pot potential landing spots, I said, you know a place where they're, they run something similar to the offense that he ran at Washington State, which would be USC, which would be you know any of the old air raid coaches. Shannon Dawson at Miami is an air raid guy as well, so that yeah. would make a lot of sense. But, yeah, that, that is a – the NFL piece of it is another one that I, I – you know, I think we're just getting used to this now where you've got these older quarterbacks – who the choice is not just do I go into the transfer portal, it's do I go into the transfer portal or do I go into the draft or do I stay here? And we're seeing Cam Ward and Will Howard, it feels like, make that that yeah. three-way choice. Right. I mean, you look at Dylan Gabriel, right? Like he, he knew that he wanted to return to college. He made his decision um, under a week, right? I think if Cam Ward and Will Howard were sold on – uh, staying in college and finding a team, I, I think we may have already seen the, the, the decision. Well, and, and Dylan Gabriel also, you know, I, I saw some tweets out there. Well, if he's so great, why isn't he going to the NFL? You can look at him and say, possibly his skill set doesn't translate that well to the NFL, but it translates right. very well to certain college offenses. So, like, he yeah. literally may be worth more to Oregon than he would be to any NFL team. I think that's super fair. And I think the other thing, too, is, like, Dan Lanning, like, almost won the Pac-12 
this year. You know, like I, I know it wasn't the closest game in the world, but it, it was interesting. My point is that like Oregon with the 12 team playoff coming is on the cusp of, of really cracking the playoff and maybe making a run. And I was going to mention, I didn't want to cut you off, but like, I think we need to realize that too with Walter Nolan, right? Like why not play next to Mateo Longale and, and like try to win a pack Big Ten title, excuse me. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to get your head around. Yeah, it. and 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 make a run at CFP. And oh wait, we have a really good quarterback now. Like Oregon is really going to be a fun place to watch during portal season. Yeah, especially if they just get everybody. <laughs> that yeah. does. And, and and Dylan Gabriel, I would say, I don't know about how how you feel. So far of the p- players who's committed, he feels like the most impactful. Yes, hundred percent. I mean, and you have someone like Dylan now, like. Maybe he's going to hang out in Eugene the rest of the month. I don't know that. But if you're doing more visits this coming weekend and Dylan's there with, with transfer portal recruits, like that's going to play a factor. And, and he know, I mean, he's been at Oklahoma, he's been at UCF. He's going to know what to do to just help Dan Lanning build a good portal class. Yeah, it's, it's truly amazing how well they picked and chose out of the portal the last two years. Really has, has made Lanning's ascension – that much quicker now obviously they still got to deal with washington in the big 10 and now they get to yeah. deal with with ohio state and michigan and penn state but i think it's going to be a lot of fun and I, I think you're right if they hit on some of these portal guys that they really want they could enter the big 10 as a big 10 title contender right out of the gate yeah i mean it'll be really interesting right big 10 media days and stuff to have these new teams but also <laughs> Just like knowing that, like, wow, Oregon just like completely won the offseason. Like, what's that going to look like? Yeah, and I, I think this is also something we need to get used to. We've seen it with with teams that brought in good recruiting classes, but when you bring in a good recruiting class, you don't know when those guys are really going to start to no. pay off. And and you know, even the really good ones like that that 2013 Ohio State recruiting class, it absolutely was paying dividends when they won the national title in 2014. But you didn't know in 2013 just how good all those guys were going to be. And this type of thing, oh, you kind of know right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, if things are going to click, they're going to they're going to click because right, Dylan or Gabriel in is one year, so yeah, that's a great point. Well, it, it's been very interesting to watch, and uh, yeah, we're we're still working on the we're workshopping the name for for we've had uh, Nakos grenades. Uh, yeah. I kind of wow. like that one. Yeah, wow. When a portal person commits. Um, I still think I, I still think Nekos bombs work, but yeah. we could we could go around Pete. But the problem is Pete Thamel also breaks a lot of news in the college football space. So if yeah. we do a Pete something, people might get confused that we're talking about him. And let's be clear, like Pete is. The, I'm, I'm still working to get there. I appreciate all. The Listen, love, Pete's yeah. a little older than you. You you, you keep working yeah. at it. You'll be right there. But. Yeah, we'll go with Nakos grenades for now. I'm I'm, I'm like good it. with Nakos. That's my favorite. It's a leader of the clubhouse. I am open okay. to suggestions. Hit me up, Andy underscore Staples on Twitter. Uh, we can find you know we're at Pete Nakos underscore on Twitter. We can find the perfect one, but yeah. you just keep those coming and we'll oh, keep yeah. reading them. I sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Thanks so much, Andy. Thank you, Pete. Pete Nako still workshopping the name for when Pete breaks transfer portal news, but he breaks so much of it. We'll have more opportunities to get that thing figured out. The big news in college basketball on Sunday, though, Bronny James making his debut. That's LeBron's son. 
And I think you assume, oh, it's LeBron's son. He must be awesome. Well, he's pretty good. But a lot has gone on between him getting to USC and him making his debut against Long Beach State on Sunday. So we're going to talk some college hoops right now. And this is going to be a fairly regular thing on the show. Obviously, this will still be a mostly college football show. But like I said earlier, we love we know you love your schools. And so we're going to talk about your schools with all of the things they do. We're going to talk about multiple other sports. But obviously, college hoops we want to get into because this is going to be dominating a lot of the headlines. I actually think college hoops, because of NIL, has become easier to follow than it was before because it's not all the really good players just pop in for a year and then leave. You, you see guys staying longer. You get to know them. You, you kind of understand it. It feels a little more like college football in that way. So we'll talk a little Bronny James with Jeff Goodman from Field of 68. We'll also talk about Arizona, which looks like maybe the best team in the country. And we'll talk a little Purdue and Zach Eady, who is one of those players who we've now gotten to know over the years and still one of the best players in the country. Here is Jeff Goodman, who is the best in the country. We are joined now by the great Jeff Goodman, the Field of 68 podcast empire. I know everybody was up listening to Field of 68 after dark on Saturday night, after a huge night of college hoops. But Jeff, we got to talk first about Bronny James, his debut. This is the one. So this is our first college basketball segment. We're, okay. we're going to get everybody kind of broken in. All right. We'll go with the one that everybody's Googling. Yeah. How much did Bronny James play? How much did he score? Let's talk about Bronny James' debut for USC uh, in a losing effort to Long Beach State. Congratulations, Dan Monson. Uh, but Bronny, it, I, it's been such a whirlwind. You know, he's he's because of who he is. He's a very famous recruit. He signs with USC. Cardiac arrest in July, and now he's finally able to get on the court. What did you you know? What did you see from him relative to what he looked like as a recruit? Yeah, I saw him a bunch, you know, over the last few years, and and he got progressively better each year. You know, first first time I saw him, I'm like, all right, is he going to be more than just kind of a mid major guy? And he turned himself into a, you know, player that that was a McDonald's All American. You know, might have gotten a little bit of the edge there because of his dad's <laughs> name, but but listen. This kid knows how to play. That's the bottom line is he got that from LeBron. No, he's not, you know, 6'8", 270 and super explosive. But you know what he is? A high IQ, ball moving, terrific defender who doesn't make mistakes, who plays with incredible poise. That's the one thing, Andy, when you saw him in his debut, you said, like, this dude just, he he knows how to play. He's not going to be rattled. Now he missed the key free throw down the stretch. Yeah. So they did everybody else on game. USC though. Yeah. 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 He wasn't the only one. He was not the yeah. only one. Um, but but he was really to me, he looked like he belonged in in his debut, after which he he like you said, listen, he had cardiac arrest. They weren't sure he was gonna play again. He he's off and not able to do a whole heck of a lot, misses the first eight games, misses a ton of the preseason. And he looks like he belongs. So he's only going to get better. However, here's what I'll say. And I've said this before. Uh, the expectations placed on him are, are, are way too much and always have been. And I just hope this slows down the process for Bronny James. I hope LeBron doesn't. Listen, 
it's not like LeBron's retiring after this year. Like right. he's turning 39, he's going to make it to 40. So don't <laughs> rush your kid to the NBA. You're going to play with him. I think I think he'll play with him. But but let him go and play two years in college or a year in three quarters in college because I think he needs it. I don't I don't think he's a one and done. I think you're doing a disservice to your kid in a lot of ways if you're going to rush him after just one year or really three quarters of a year. Uh, well, that so the first play that just makes your eyes pop up and you go, okay, I see whose kid this is, was the chase down block yeah. in the first half. And I, I will say, I, I thought it was interesting. Andy Enfield had him in on the last play of regulation. Now that might've been because Dennis Rodman's kid had just fouled out, yeah, which is another <laughs> subplot. He's a transfer from Washington state, but but they've trusted Ronnie James enough to have him in on that last play of regulation. Had him in the first couple of minutes of overtime as well. But then you do wonder about conditioning and and you know it, is is he ready to be in crunch time in game one for him? Yeah, I, I think when we look at his season, obviously the trajectory is going to go up because again he's going to get more comfortable. Uh, his shot has gotten better over the last couple of years, uh, but I think he's a piece uh, unless somebody gets hurt. You know, he's not playing minutes over Boogie Ellis. He's not playing mm -hmm. him over the, the number one freshman, Isaiah Collier. He's not playing him over Kobe Johnson, who's an elite defender with more size. Um, so I think he's going to be a role player. And I think, you know, he'll be a hell of a role player at that because, again, he impacts winning. He, You know, the box score is never going to show up as like, oh, my God, he had, you know, a double-double. That's just not going to be his role. Uh, but – you just watch him and you can tell he's got the intangibles. And here's the biggest thing, Andy, that I don't think people talk about enough. And I, again, I've seen him for probably three or four years now. Like his teammates really like playing with him yeah. because he's not about himself and he never has been about himself. He he just kind of plays the game the way it's supposed to be played, makes the right play, right? He doesn't over dribble. You watch him. What does he do? He gets the ball. He moves the ball. So guys love playing with him because again, he's not a guy looking for his. Well, and I thought it was interesting. Like you had the line of students wrapped around the Galen center. Like if you Googled USC basketball, it was all Bronny James stuff. And you do wonder how that affects, like, because like you said, Collier is a potential top three draft pick yeah. next year. Like we're talking about guys that are, that are in a little different place. I, I wonder if he hadn't had the heart issue what would Bronny James have, have been coming into the season? Would he have been kind of a, a rotational off-the-bench role player, a, a starter? Yeah, the okay. Same That's what I thought. exact thing he is, and he's going to be. I don't think anything changes. I just think, again, he missed the first eight games, and it might take him a little bit longer. You know, you always want to see, like, that second game, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. that first game is, is deceptive. It could be both ways, right? A guy could be overwhelmed, or he could play above. Um, you know, kind of above his talent level. I, again, I think this was kind of brownie. I think, you know, some games you're going to get 10, 12, 14 points out of him. Other games he's going to do this and score a few points and have, you know, I said, if if you had asked me what his numbers are going to be at the end of the year, I would have said like six to eight points, three assists, three rebounds a game, you know, shooting 36% from three. Uh, again, just making making his guys better. And, and again, that doesn't jump off the page as a one and done. Mm -hmm. um, but, but when you're, when you're LeBron's kid 
does an NBA team, and I know you didn't get me on here to talk about this, and this is probably not what we even should be talking about after he makes his debut, but it is something that's interesting, is does an NBA team take him with the 15th pick? You might you might get LeBron pick? to sign with you out of that, yeah. If I'm Minnesota, here's one. All right, here's a great example. All right. If I'm the Boston Celtics, okay, if I'm the Boston Celtics and I don't win it all this year, and I get to the, the NBA Finals, and I've got Tatum and Jalen Brown and all these dudes, and I live in Porzingis, Boston. Porzingis, yeah. Yeah, Porzingis and Drew Holiday, and you're like, all right, like with the 28th pick, would we burn it on, on Bronny James to get LeBron and have a mm -hmm. chance for the next two years? Hell yes. yes. It Hell would. Yes. That's burn. exactly right. As, well, and, and that – listen, sometimes membership has its privileges. But speaking of uh, of membership, let's talk about the uh, the – University of Arizona Alumni Association, something you belong to, uh, because your alma mater's team looks unbelievable. I, I was going to ask you what the best undefeated, you know, the remaining undefeated teams is, but I, I think you were probably going to answer Arizona. So I, I do want to, like, what what happened to Caleb Love on the trip from Chapel Hill to Tucson? Like, he's he's like a different guy. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, and I was super critical. How about this? So I, I said when they got him, I took him out of my top 25 because he was so uh, tough to watch last year and uh, he didn't really guard. And, you know, the, the offensive efficiency hadn't, had never been great. Right. He, he was a guy that was kind of an all or nothing type guy. And when he was all man, he was unbelievable as we saw in, in the final four run a couple years ago. Uh, last year, he was just not, not very good for the most part, uh, more down than up. And again, my biggest problem was he did not guard. Um, so he goes to Tucson, and the difference is now Tommy Lloyd has other dudes. And, and Caleb Love heard it too. He heard the, the yeah. skeptics, whether it was me, whether it was other people, that not a team player, didn't make people better, didn't guard, all this. But now he's got other guys, like Jaden Bradley. If, if Caleb Love doesn't guard, he brings in Jaden Bradley, uh, who's a, an elite, athlete and defender coming off the bench transfer from Alabama you know he's got Kai Boswell one of the best point guards in the country running the team right now as a sophomore so it, it's funny so I was so harsh with him Andy that after the game they beat Duke and I actually went up to him and apologized <laughs> after the game and, and said that, hey man like that was like the game I in New York he, he was awesome in that game too yeah Duke it was a oh, game no, no, sorry, it was a Cameron you're right yeah. it was a Cameron yeah so I, I just, you know, I felt like, again, but it's hard because I don't know how you feel about this, but I've asked other college players this, uh, including Armando Baycott, not specifically about Caleb Love, but I said, you know, you guys are making more money than I am, some of you right now. So am I allowed to be critical of you guys because you're, you're quasi-pros? Yes. Some of yes. you are really pros right now. And he said to me, absolutely. Baycott's like a, a breath of fresh air. Um, and he said, absolutely. You can criticize me if I'm not playing well, you should criticize me because we are making money now, but I probably took it a little bit too far with Caleb love. And, and I've been blown away by again, the fact that, that, uh, Tommy Lloyd's kind of held him accountable and, and he in return has responded and guarded, uh, consistently and been better and been more efficient. And I think it starts there, but man, this Arizona team has balance. They've got depth. They've got a great mix of international guys and 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 transfers. A lot of tran you know, Keisha Johnson, mm -hmm. kid who went to the national title game from San Diego State, comes in and he's just an MF or defensively.
So let's go from one team that got bounced early in the NCAA tournament to another. And and it's funny because in football, we just don't, and, and we may get this as the playoff comes in and, and talk about this, but I, I find an issue, like if you talk to the casual fan, the last thing they remember about Arizona or Purdue is how they left the NCAA tournament. But these are two of the best teams in the country again this season. Yeah. And like you go back to Virginia a few years ago where they get bounced by UMBC in the first round, come back and win the national title. Purdue, playing very well, played a really fun game against Alabama on Saturday night where you had you had Zach Eady with 35 points, fouled out practically half Everybody. of Alabama's team. Yeah. He was perfect from the free throw line. And then Sears for Alabama with 35 points. That was that was as good as it gets. Yeah, I'm, and the crazy part is, Andy, next Saturday, uh, I'll be there in Indianapolis. It's a doubleheader. It's actually uh, Kansas and Indiana at 1230, and then I'm going to uh, get my daughter in the car. She's a sophomore at Indiana right now, and we're going to shoot over to uh, Purdue, Arizona, in Indianapolis at Banker's Ooh. Life. So, wow. you know, one verse two or three, whatever you want to put Purdue, you know, they're probably three behind Kansas, but – you know, at this point, um, those are two of the best teams in the country. And I can't wait because Arizona has beaten Michigan State and Duke, two teams that aren't in the top 25 right now. Okay, so those are their two big wins. They beat, they blasted Wisconsin over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And Wisconsin, I think, at the end of the day, is probably a top 25-ish team. This one, if they beat Purdue in Indy, okay, I'm, I'm ready to say you're, you're clearly the best team in the country, and we do have a dominant team this year. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Purdue wins this game because, frankly, I think Braden Smith is a completely different player than he was last year in terms of confidence and his ability now to read ball screens and react quickly and, and not dribble, dribble, dribble out of it, but say, you know what, I'm open. They're backing off me because of Zach Eady. I'm going to shoot the hell out of the ball here, and I have confidence. This is a kid that people don't realize. Going into his freshman year, uh, that whole summer, he, he had been hurt, so he missed that whole summer. So last year was almost like people – like I was shocked he was as good as he was. First of all, he's tiny, or maybe not tiny, but he's small, and he missed all this time. So I think he's a completely different player this year. Bring in Lance Jones from Southern Illinois, who frustrates me at times because he takes some bonehead shots. But what he is is a big, strong, athletic guard who's fearless and can really defend. Right. So that helps them because they didn't really have that last year. Um, but ultimately, listen, it comes down to how tight are they going to be in the first round of that tournament? Mm -hmm. And who do they go up against? And once you get through it, I was at that Virginia Gardner Webb game and they were tight and they were rattled a little bit at halftime. It was close. And I remember talking to Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome after the game and they admitted they were like, yeah, we were nervous. Uh, and Purdue's going to be nervous. Matt Painter knows that. Zach Eady knows that. They all know that. But if they can get through that first one, I think then you kind of you, you exhale. And and I think they'll yeah. get through it this year. Well, let, let's talk about Zach. He's later in the show. We're going to be talking to, to Justin Hopkins, who works for our Oregon site, about Dylan Gabriel, who is a quarterback going from Oklahoma to Oregon. And Dylan Gabriel is one of those guys that I don't know that how, what, in it, what he has in terms of an NFL future. But he's extremely valuable as a college football quarterback, which is why – he went in the portal and is is getting a good deal at Oregon. Yeah. Zach Eady, 7'3", feels like he's been basically kind of schemed out of the game that the NBA plays. Yeah. Yeah. But he seems like he's still incredibly valuable in college. 
Yeah, these bigs, man, it's just so different now because, again, you look at it 10 years ago and Jaleel Okafor was a top, what, three pick. Yeah. And now if he was, if he was you know, playing college basketball, he wouldn't be drafted. And if Zach Eady could have been drafted in the first round of the top 40, he, he probably would have been gone. Now he's making as much NIL as, as you know, he would probably if he had, you know, gone to the, the been a second round or, pick. Yeah. Yeah. Second round pick. Exactly. So in his opinion, it's, and, and again, this is a kid you got to remember, like just started playing basketball like six years ago. Yeah. You know, he grew up in Canada playing baseball, playing a little bit of hockey, but more of a baseball player, first baseman. And, um, so he's getting better and better, you know, instinctively he's getting better and better each year. And the one thing it's funny, cause you look at Hunter Dickinson who transferred yeah. from Michigan to Kansas and Hunter has really been able to step out and make shots from, from three. Okay. So like what are the NBA they're telling you as a big, right? You better be able to go out and, and, and be able to space it and make some shots from the perimeter. And then you better be able to guard ball screens. Right, because everybody wants to switch right now um, in, in the NBA, and if you can't guard and Hunter, that's his probably bigger weakness right now. Zach Eady's gotten a lot better defensively, but Zach Eady is not going to step out. And I asked him about it a couple of weeks ago when I was down at West Lafayette. I said, like, why don't you step out and and show people that you can make this shot? Because supposedly he can. You know, Painter says that, and Eady says that a little bit. And he said, he's like, listen, I, I know where my bread is buttered. I know where my team needs me. I, I want us to win. And ultimately, honestly, if he's down there, Andy, he's drawing double teams. And there's a re reason Braden Smith is wide open. Those guys should be making those threes on that team if they're decent shooters because they're all uncontested threes one after the other. Well, I, I'm excited because – Zach Eady, Hunter Dickinson, them being back in college basketball again, like it feels like NIL has made college basketball something closer to what we remember when we were kids, when there were people you remembered in the sport for three and four years, and it wasn't this continually changing cast of characters. Now, they might be moving teams right. like Caleb Love or Hunter Dickinson, but we know who they are, and, and we have a kind of a history with them. Yeah, I mean, the big stick around – the, the guards and wings don't. And the other thing this year that's that's the last couple of years has been different is the freshman classes have been very, very underwhelming, very mm -hmm. underwhelming. And you'll see it with the NBA draft this year, especially there, there there's nobody at the top. There's nobody. You're like Isaiah Collier is a nice player as you watch tonight, but he, he struggled and. He, but he's not, he's not Brandon Miller from last year. No, there, there's just nobody right now in this year's class or next year's class coming in that you're going to, other than Cooper Flag. Cooper Flag okay. is the one guy you're going to tank for. But nobody, like the, the Washington Wizards right now stink, the Pistons stink. And like you feel bad because honestly, they're, they're, they're going to want to trade out of that number one pick, whoever gets it. Because it's, it's the type of pick that kind of, like Anthony Bennett that year mm -hmm. when the Cavs yeah. got him, get you oh fired. Oh, God, I forgot gets, about Anthony Bennett. <laughs> yeah, it's Chris yeah. Grant, their GM fired, because, again, you can't win. Yeah. Well, we always win when we have you on. Jeff Goodman, Field of 68. Read him at The Messenger. Thank you so much. Thanks, my man. Appreciate it. Honored to uh, be the first Hoops guest. Well, we're, we're going. We're going into Hoops. We're going to be – we've dipped our toe in. Now we're going to start dipping the foot in. Love it. Thank you, Jeff. That's exactly right. Of course, we're going to have uh, Joe Tipton from On3. He's coming on Thursday. we got to talk about a big weekend in hoops next weekend. Uh, we talked about Purdue and Arizona with Jeff. They are playing 
next week in Indianapolis. Jeff's heading to that game. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is this is getting interesting now in college hoops, and look, we're going to have a little lull. But we got some bowl games too. Now, let's not forget about that. But there is still news happening in the transfer portal all the time, and the biggest news of the weekend was Dylan Gabriel, late of Oregon, uh, late of Oklahoma. Sorry, I got my O schools mixed up. Late of Oklahoma, he is going to Oregon, and I think you know if you watched that Oregon offense with Bo Nix, and you watched Dylan Gabriel in two seasons at Oklahoma, you're thinking, you know what? This guy looks like a really fun fit in this offense, and it's pretty exciting. But there is a little domino effect and a very intriguing secondary portal recruiting story to this. Justin Hopkins from Scoop Duck joins us to explain all of it. Welcome, Justin Hopkins of Scoop Duck, and it's been a very busy weekend for Justin on Saturday. Commitment from Dylan Gabriel, late of Oklahoma, late of UCF, now headed to Oregon, which, by the way, was the school he wanted to go to in the first place, Justin. He was going to go sign. Well, I mean, all those Hawaii guys wanted to play for Oregon because of uh, because of Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Yeah, no, and Dylan Gabriel, I think it made it well known that he wanted, like this is the way he gets to end his career as he wants, right? He's more than likely going to compete, you know, or be in the Heisman conversation, hopefully. Uh, and he, he gets to finish it at Oregon where he wanted to go all along. Pretty fun, pretty pretty fun. This is what makes college football fun is these little stories like this. And wearing Marcus Mariota's number. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It is amazing because he, he he's, he's such an influence on all those – QBs that came out of Hawaii and I'd imagine like Oregon's a special place to all of them for that reason. Yeah. He really did kind of pave the way his success. Um, you know, that's it's, and, and, and then you look at Marcus Mariota, the person and everybody realizes, wow, this is a really awesome dude. Like he's just such a good person to his core and he grew up that way. So I think a lot of these young men look up to him because of the person he is on the field success he had at Oregon. And then like, Man, this guy maybe hasn't had the NFL career that you'd hope for, but shoot, there isn't anybody in the world that doesn't root for Marcus Mariota because he's such a great guy. Well, let's talk about Dylan Gabriel in this offense. So this is a little bit different than when Bo Nix got there because Bo Nix got there, Kenny Dillingham was the OC. He and Kenny had worked together at Auburn before. They they both knew each other pretty well. Uh, this is Will Stein and, and Dylan Gabriel who don't have a history together. Gabriel, when he went to Oklahoma, was playing for his – his UCFOC. So yeah. this is a, a little bit new for him, but how does he fit into the offense they run? Yeah, I think, you know, I think this offense sets up any quarterback for success if they understand the playbook, if they understand where everybody's supposed to be. I think that's what made Bo Nix just so efficient and made so few mistakes. He knew where every receiver was going to be. So he's making read one, read two, and all of a sudden, like, it's not there. I'll hit my check down. Who's I haven't even looked at yet, but I know he's over here. Yeah. And and I think that's what Will Stein's offense really does. It gives you options and almost always has something that's available to you if you don't force it. So, you know, Bo Nix threw two interceptions this year, really only threw one, but he did get, you know, credited for a second. And I, and I think that's what Dylan Gabriel has to do. Take what's there, okay? Don't try and push the ball, force it into these tight windows. It doesn't have to go downfield all the time. We know he's got an arm. 
I think the one thing he'll bring that maybe Oregon didn't utilize with Bo Nix, probably because of depth concerns, is the legs. You know, Dylan Gabriel can run. I think we'll see that a little bit more in this offense. But, I mean, you I know you know, but you look at this Oregon offense and as efficient as it was this year, there's no reason to change much. (laughs) No, and that's the thing. You've got a guy who has, you know, similar ability to run to Bo Nix and has been known as a high-volume very accurate, efficient passer throughout his time in college, which that's what Bonix was at Oregon. That's not what Bonix was at Auburn. So, like we we already know Dylan Gabriel can be that because he's been that at Oklahoma. Yeah, it's almost like you know Oregon and Dan Lanning very early, of course, ran the lab test and said, "Well, let's take a a high volume guy, you know, pretty decent completion percentage, and and see if we can work him into the offense." And of course, the Bonix experiment worked marvelously. And you look at Dylan Gabriel and his experience and what he's done at UCF and what he's done at Oklahoma and just his completion percentage, you know, over a hundred passing touchdowns, over 14,000 yards. You think, well, this is kind of the Bo Nix experiment reincarnated. It worked really well. Let's do it again. So, uh, and and he might, and and I think Gabriel comes in even more polished than Bo Nix did when he transferred to Oregon two years ago. So Gabriel commits on Saturday very quickly. There's a very cryptic, post from Ty Thompson, who was the, the backup at Oregon under, you know, when Bo Nix was there, a five-star prospect. He actually was at Oregon before Bo Nix got there. And clearly it looks like, okay, I'm not getting the starting job. It shows him walking away past a row of, of Oregon helmets. And then on Sunday, he tells Pete Thamel from ESPN, he is entering the transfer portal. So wh- what was Ty Thompson's Oregon career like? And, and where do you think he's going to be looking at going. Yeah. I, I mean, just to answer the first part that his career, you know, he's the, he was the guy everybody rooted for, right? He'd get out there and you'd want to see him play and he'd make mistakes. And a lot of fans would say, okay, those weren't great mistakes, but you know, Ty just needs more time. Ty just, and, and I think because he stuck with the transition from Mario to landing and, and Dillingham left and you've got Will Stein in here. And like you said, Bo Nix came in, he's just been around the program a long time and just, He's a pretty quiet guy, but always he's kept his nose clean, been a great team leader. You know, just a lot, a lot of fans love him. And it's it's the hard truth of college football, right? It's, you know, with the transfer portal being created to help student athletes maybe find that greener pasture, it's also opened the doorway for it to be a business for coaches. They've got to win. And if these guys haven't produced in a certain amount of time, it's time to kind of have that conversation. And so for Ty, I guess to answer the second part, um, you know, I don't really know where he goes because his body of work is just so unfinished, right? You don't yeah. know, like he's a five-star, but so far what's he done at the collegiate level? Not a whole heck of a lot, played some mop time and, and some cleanup time and, and it hasn't always been the best, but you just kind of wonder, he's probably not getting a ton of reps. So if you make him the guy and you work on developing him, can he be that? I would immediately look at Kenny Dillingham at ASU. But Arizona State, which yeah. is where Ty is from. Ty is from Gilbert, Arizona, which is suburban Phoenix. So uh, you're, you're, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking is if Kenny liked coaching him the year he coached him, that's an easy fit. And I, I heard from sources while Kenny was here in that year that they just felt that to that point, Ty hadn't got gotten a lot of development from, from previous coaches. And so they kind of felt like, okay, yeah, here's a guy who's been in the program a year or two, but is very much at a freshman level still from that standpoint, because he just hasn't had the time to develop. So I think if you're, you know, Kenny Dillingham, you maybe have the, 
I know we'll get into it, the, the Dante Moore talk with mm-hmm. with Ty. He said, hey, maybe I don't make you the starter this year, but come in and and maybe in two years you're the guy. I don't know. So you mentioned Dante Moore, who is one of the more interesting people in the transfer portal. So for those who don't know, I'll, we'll, we'll do the whole history. Dante Moore was a five-star quarterback from Detroit. He was originally committed to Oregon. He then flipped to UCLA on signing day. He played some at UCLA this year and now is back in the por- or now is in the portal and Michigan's a possibility right by home. Yep. Oregon's a possibility where he was originally committed. But in both cases there's a veteran quarterback in the way and he seems perfectly cool with that. Uh, unique is the word to use here, right? Because yeah. this is not typical of a quarterback going into the transport, especially somebody that's basically going to have every power five school chasing him like Dante Moore does. And it's, it really makes you maybe appreciate the level headedness of, of his family, of who he's getting his advice from like, Hey, maybe sitting for a year isn't bad. Okay. Going and learning from a Dylan Gabriel McCarthy, whoever you, you're going to go learn from an experienced guy. And it's, it's a, it's a unique way. And you look at like, kind of like looking back and you think, man, Dan Lanning might land Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore in the same transfer period that's unreal and i and i do think that there's a little bit of a hint here that the the ty thompson move really opens that door for dante moore well and the dante moore thing is very interesting because whether he winds up at at oregon or michigan and winds up being the starter there as a third-year college player that's kind of what would have happened had he signed with one of those schools out of high school (laughs) yeah but he did like it felt like the flip to ucla was a, a a chance to play because they they weren't sure what they wanted. They had Ethan Garbers and Colin Schley, and it looked like there was a chance, and he did get a chance to play. And I think what he learned was may not be quite ready yet. Yeah, I think the I've been around because Chip Kelly was here at Oregon, and I've met him personally and talked to him, and he's always the smartest guy in the room. He really, like you talk X and O's on offense with Chip, and you're just like, I mean, and so I, if I was a quarterback and I was Dante Moore and Chip Kelly sat down and said, Hey, here's what I'm going to do with you. And here's how the offense you're like, wow, that I could do that. I could be successful there. So I see that I'm not, I'm not saying he's sold him a, a raw bill of goods. We all still kind of envision Chip Kelly, the offensive mastermind, but I, I think maybe that window has passed chip a little bit and others have caught up to that style of offense, at least from a defensive standpoint. I think if you're Dante Moore, you go back to the drawing board, you get, you're looking at Oregon, you're looking at Michigan. You said, "Hey, they had a guy with a ton of success in a in an offense that works. I could learn that, and I could be that guy." Yeah, it's it's interesting because usually with the five star QB, it doesn't matter. It's I'm going to go find where I can play, and that's it. And so this is this is a little different different take on that. But let, let's talk about the the 2023 Oregon team. Obviously, things did not end the way they wanted to in the Pac-12 championship game, but they've got one more game. They've got the Fiesta Bowl against Liberty. And it sounds like one very important outgoing player has decided he will play in this game. Yeah, uh, we've talked about Bo Nix already, and there's been a ton of talk about Bo Nix being in that Heisman uh, Trophy presentation, a finalist there. But what kind of got swept under the rug is the fact that he's going to play in the Fiesta Bowl. He's you know announced he'll come back and that he'll play. And it's just like, I don't know about you, but I love it. I mean, I understand why these guys make these business decisions and note play them and get ready for the NFL. I totally get it, but it's refreshing. And I absolutely love it when somebody like Bo Nix does. And I think that this is something Dan Lanning has said, Hey guys, look, 
didn't get the matchup we wanted, didn't make the playoffs like we wanted, but let's go out there and let's kick the crap out of, out of Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl. And, and I believe he's that type of competitor. And I think that that's what he wants to do to kind of set the tone for this offseason. Again, having somebody like Bo Nix in your program is so valuable for what he leaves behind, the culture that he leaves behind. And I think, you know, Dan Lanning's really trying to capitalize on that. Well, I, I, Kyrie Jackson's announced he's going to opt out the cornerback, but I would imagine there's some guys that'll think about playing just because Bo Nix is playing. Yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Troy Franklin who hasn't announced his intent or his decision yet on that. Uh, you know, Terrence Ferguson, the tight end, could go both ways as looking at the NFL, looking towards returning. Those are the guys that whatever decision they make, you might get them back to play. Hey, I want to play. Let's run it back one more time, Bo. I'd, I'd love to play with you one more time. So, um, I, I think it could be kind of the the cherry on top of the cake for what has been. I've done this a long time and, and covering Oregon specifically and just the way Bo Nix carried himself and came in and really just revitalized this program on and off the field. Such a tremendous young man off the field. He's one of those guys you just gravitate to. And I love to see that it's kind of going to end this way for him. I'd love to see him win a Heisman, but eh, this will still be fun. Yeah, if he can go out a winner and and have fun with his teammates, and you're right, he he did, because that Mario leaving could have been such a a crippling moment for the program, and I, I know everybody was scared because it, it did feel like okay, another coach is leaving, but then you get Dan Lanning, Bo Nix comes in and really settles things down and kind of raises the level of play offensively to back what you guys and Eugene are used to watching, and it does feel. Like Oregon is a very sustainable program from here on out. Yeah, I mean, it was a fork in the road moment. And you, you know, you as a fans, I know that they're looking back and saying, Oh, I'm I'm glad Mario left. I'm glad you hear him say that. But at the time, everybody was scared to death, like Mario's leaving. Here's a fork in the road for Oregon. Which way are they gonna go? Are they gonna kind of go back to me- mediocrity or are they gonna take the next level? And then next thing you know, the guy that's showing up is you know, barely 30 years old and never coached a, been a head coach of a team before. So there's a lot of questions. Turns out he's really good at this. And it's been, like you said, Dan Lanning has done such a tremendous job identifying holes in the transfer portal and fixing them. You know, Bo Nix is a, a perfect example of that. There's been Jordan Birch is another one, Kyrie Jackson, list goes on and on. And he has built a roster that will be able to compete year in and year out with a combination of, of portal additions and, and, and uh, effective high school recruiting as well. Well, and that's what's interesting so far, other than Dylan Gabriel, it's a lot of Oregon players going out because they weren't playing very much. The question now is where is Dan Landing going to go in the portal to spot recruit, to fill in holes? I, you know, Oregon comes up whenever there's a big person in the portal because they've got a good collective. They're very organized on that front. Where do you see him targeting position-wise? So, you know, a quarterback was going to be a big one, and it looks like that's at least halfway out of the way, if not all the way. You could be just get Dylan Gabriel and be done. I think the next biggest one is safety. I think Oregon's got some concerns there at safety, and you can immediately point to that Pac-12 championship game. Washington was always a bad matchup for Oregon because their strong suits on offense, you know, was Oregon's weaknesses on defense. So I think safety, you look for a body or two there. You know, depending on what Troy Franklin does, I assume he's going to the NFL. Uh, I think you need a, a couple of experienced guys there at wide receiver. I do believe they'll get Tez Johnson back. I do believe they'll get Treshawn Holden back. Those are big wins for Dan Lanning to bring both those guys back, but you could use a little bit more help there. 
And then, of course, along with Dylan Gabriel visiting, Oregon brought in Walter Nolan, the number one player in the transfer portal <laughs> defense alignment. Here's the deal as far as Dan Landing goes in defense alignment. He's always going to recruit him because he loves yeah. him. So <laughs> Oregon's going to be in the game with those guys. And, 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 and that's pretty much most of the needs. They don't – I've said this elsewhere, but it's going to be quality, not quantity for the transfer portal yeah. this year. Well, there's only one Walter Nolan type in the portal right now. Maybe maybe another one jumps in at some point, but there's only one like him right now. And Oregon does have to replace some D linemen who are, you know, sixth and seventh year guys who, as great as they were, can't come back. Yeah, yeah, you you do you do have some holes there. I don't I don't think he needs a ton of guys, but yeah, somebody to steady the ship more so in the interior of that defensive line <laughs> versus the edges. And I think, I mean, Walter Nolan's a really good replacement. <laughs> Well, we shall see Division Street, the uh, the collective affiliated with Oregon. Uh, you maybe we're cut out for you on that one. So, Jay Hop, thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. That is Justin Hopkins from ScoopDuck.com, and we'll see what happens with Dylan Gabriel at Oregon. Will he become the sixth transfer quarterback since 2017 to win the Heisman? That's right, five transfer quarterbacks since 2017, have won the Heisman Trophy. The latest, of course, Jaden Daniels, who won it over the weekend. Congratulations to Jaden Daniels of LSU on the Heisman Trophy. You want to know how I voted? I am a Heisman voter. Well, the top three were Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix Jr., and Bo Nix, and that is exactly how my ballot went this year. So I had Jaden number one, Penix number two, and Bo Nix number three. We have a big week for you. Obviously, we got the transfer portal. We are very close to signing day. National signing day is a week from Wednesday. So I imagine there'll be a Josh Newberg appearance on the show. Also, we're going to start previewing bowls. There are five bowl games on Saturday. Five. Chris Vanini of The Athletic is going to join us as our special guest picker because we are going to start picking bowl games. Not all of them. We're going to portion it out. But on Monday's show, we're going to pick six bowl games because, man, it's that time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, I won't sing anymore. I promise. But, yes, bowl games are coming. And we will talk to you on Monday night. <laughs> <laughs>